Konnichiwa and hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Locked Automotive Media Podcast, based here in Toronto, Canada. I'm your host, Jamal, or Jay Clay for short. The purpose of this podcast is to share my passion and joy of the automotive industry, especially within the JDM market, and to inspire others in the car community to live out their dreams and keep the drive alive. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoy creating. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, um, it's Jamal, your boy, aka J Clay, and I'm here. We're doing another episode of Locked Automotive Media podcast, Toronto-based, uh, basically talking about cars and trying to get as many guests as we can <laughs> on here to talk about cars as well. Uh, today we have a special guest. Uh, I'd like to call him a Rotary Meister. Uh, you'll know him on Instagram as handle as Boss Battle RX7. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of your content and I have watched uh, or listened to uh, your podcast, your previous podcasts and uh, your conversations with Albo. So I'm super excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be on here. I really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate it. So um, I think we'll just, you know, first get you to introduce yourself in terms sure. of uh, like, what, what is boss battle about? What, what, where did Boss Battle come from, actually? That name is, is, is very intriguing, actually. Thank you. Um, so Boss Battle is actually a company. Uh, it's actually trademarked as well. And um, Boss Battle, the idea behind it is facing life's challenges, but looking at it from the perspective of a video game protagonist. So let me explain. Okay. So when you're playing a video game, right, and you run into a boss fight, Typically, depending on the type of game you're playing, you may have to do a couple tries. You're like, ah, okay, I didn't know that move, or I made it past the first phase, and then the second phase knocks you out. The fact of the matter is, though, that when you encounter these boss battles in games, you're just like, whatever, just put the controller down, try it again, whatever. I'm just going <laughs> to keep on pressing. I'm not going to give up. Yeah. In life, though, when sometimes in life, when we run into certain challenges, we sort of maybe give it a try or two. And then if things don't work out, we're like, you know what? I'm just, this isn't for me. I'm going to quit. Or we run into certain challenges in life. And for some people, it can be more serious challenges like uh, mental health challenges or addiction or you know, living in an abusive situation. Or it can be as um, relatively, um, and I say relatively, because it depends on what your perspective is, relatively minor as uh, things such as know, having finals coming up in college or having a big job interview or a big presentation to work. The idea is that we all have different boss battles and the perspective behind boss battle is a brand that wants you to have a certain mindset when you're encountering, encountering these challenges. So no matter what your boss battle is, just like if you're playing a video game in real life, you can overcome it. I like the, uh, I like the, the in-depth meaning behind it. And I'm not going to lie, just um, as you can see, even with the Yoshi right there, I, I'm into <laughs> video games. So I love the fact that it's relatable to games because I'm a, a big nerd when it comes to video games and, and cars. So like, I love yeah, that. You can see I the Dreamcast really here too. So I, <laughs> I You have just, I saw that honestly in one of your other videos. And I was like, man, I got to get my Dreamcast back for my cousin. Like he's had that way too long. <laughs> you have to get it back. It's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Hands on. down, greatest system ever. <laughs> I um, loved my Dreamcast. And this is my, not my original one. Um, okay. I purchased this one within the past five years or so. 
um, when I went on a retro gaming kick. But I but I have not played in a long time, but I thought it'd be fantastic to display just as an homage to childhood. Oh, man. Yeah, trust me. We're all the same age, so I completely understand where you're coming from. I pretty understand that. But that that's awesome, man, to know uh, what that's about. So um, what car actually do you currently drive? I, I, I assume from the name, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I currently drive in FD RX-7. It's a 1993. Um, and I actually have two of them, one of which is restored. Uh, the other is in the restoration process. So I'm a big, as you have uh, correctly ascertained, I am a big RX-7 fan indeed. Uh, a, big, a big fan of uh, the quote-unquote wankle, right? Yes, I love the rotary engine, the sounds it makes how it accelerates and um, just the overall design I find very interesting and intriguing and how it's tied to Mazda's history. So that's sort of it all wrapped up for me into a really special car, which I'm just super grateful to have. I, I would be as well. I'm, I'm actually supremely impressed by it because honestly, I've always wanted an RX-7 just because it, it, because of the rotary engine, it's not the typical style of engine. Right. It just, it just makes you want to know what, how it feels, how it feels to drive. Is it as nimble as people say? Um, I've, I've always wanted one. Is the other one that you have the same year as well? Yep, they're both 1993s. They're both just different levels. Um, so the the I have a red car that's a base. So red car similar to like this postcard here that I got from a, a good friend in Germany. Oh. But a red base model, which has R1 bits without going into details. It has like parts from the higher trim to make it more track worthy. And then the other is a touring model, which is really the softer, more comfortable. It had like a, a special Bose speaker system in it. And um, so they're different trim levels, but I they are the, the same fact that It had Bose as well, because that, that was a big 90s uh, company. Oh, yeah. Speaker. Yeah, that was like, apparently at the time, it, they spent tons of money to develop this sound wave system. It like sort of wraps around the back of the uh, hatch area. Okay. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Obviously, in this day and age, it's not really state of the art, but I can imagine back <laughs> in the day, it was like, yeah, I got the bows, you know. Honestly, so, you're absolutely right. I, and I, I, I completely agree because I was so, especially when I, I, I watch all my like old Japanese car movies, it's just like sure. Bose is everything. And so I actually bought a Bose like set of earbuds. They're not uh -huh. everything anymore. <laughs> it's not quite, yeah. Not I quite mean, what they used to be back in the 90s. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's almost like technology sort of caught up. So it's like, I'm sure Bose probably was fantastic. Just like in the 80s, Sony was like the brand to be, you know, in the electronic space and et cetera. And the thing is, like, you know, as time goes and Moore's Law uh, makes these things like smaller and smaller, it's just... Uh, the, the transistors, it just makes it make sense that eventually technology, you know, the top dogs can't have technology that's so much better than the, just like an iPhone, right? Yeah. Like you have an iPhone and it's like, you know, 10 years ago, maybe it would have been a state of the art device. Now, you know, you can pretty much get the same experience from any phone. Sorry, Apple, but that's generally. <laughs> it's okay. Not everything. No offense. Is, um, I'll, I'll use this analogy based on what we were talking about before. Uh, not everything, not every company can be the Lewis Hamilton for a reigning <laughs> champion for seven right. or a decade exactly. or whatever it may be. You have to give up the, the there's always going to be somebody that supersedes you. It's just the way of nature, right? The way it goes. Yeah, yep. for sure. For sure. So 
I'm actually, uh, I was curious based on what you just said before, if you could just give me a little bit more history on on like the Mazda and, and them producing the RX-7, because I'm actually not too sure. I'm, as you know, I'm a GTR guy, so you could ask me any GTR questions if you ever have, but uh, I'm actually curious to know some more things about the, uh, the, the RX-7 and the rotary. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I am, you know, this is a book about the FDRX7's development, which I read every now and then. I've read it, of course, through once, but just to give you a little insight into Mazda's history. So when Mazda was first founded um, way back, way back in the early 20th century, it was pre-Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, a lot of people, well, they will know this once you know where they're based out of. They're based out of Hiroshima, Japan. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, Hiroshima, of course, had an, you know, was affected by the atomic bombs yep. in one of the cities that was bombed. So the city was completely um, destroyed, more or less, except for Mazda's factory and some of the other uh, areas. So the idea behind what Mazda really stands for today for me is that after that happened, Mazda didn't give up. They didn't quit. They didn't say, you know what? This is, our city's destroyed. You know, unfortunately, people lost family members. They didn't give up. They just, they helped rebuild the city. At the time, they had a, a three-wheeled vehicle in which they would, you know, so, sort of a precursor to a truck that mm-hmm. they used to um, you know, help rebuild the city and the transport around Japan. Actually, like, one of the earliest call them like K car kind of things, or just no, actually? they um, so I'm trying to remember the name, um, but they're basically all I think they're called auto rickshaws. So, you okay. know, a rickshaw is like you know, a person that would like have the people in the back and they're like sort of running or on yeah, the yeah. bike. Um, so these were auto rickshaws, and uh, to my knowledge, I believe they were the earliest of their kind and actually proliferated across the world. But these auto rickshaws were used to sort of help rebuild. Hiroshima. Um, And to fast forward a bit, the rotary engine. So Mazda was a small manufacturer in the early 20th century. Um, Mm -hmm. And it still is compared to Toyota and Honda, et cetera. Um, Subaru, though. uh, Subaru, yeah. Subaru is probably now maybe bigger. But at one point, yes, Subaru was also very small. But now they've they've grown quite a bit, though, Mm -hmm. again, not quite like the Toyotas and Hondas of the world. Um, but Mazda sort of came to a crossroads in the uh, roughly 1950-ish time frame okay. because there was a, a governmental organization in Japan, which you know, essentially was starting to determine the future of the auto market because they wanted to ensure that Japan stayed competitive, not just you know, within Japan, but also across the world, thinking yeah. further ahead. So they almost, this governmental organization, almost relegated Mazda into sort of a specialty class where they wouldn't be able to make sort of like your basic passenger cars. And they were going to leave that space open for uh, Toyota and Nissan, actually, which at the time were the biggest automakers. Even Honda was not quite large enough yet. So they were also going to be excluded with Mazda. So what ended up happening is Mazda said, okay, we are small, but we really need to find a way to differentiate ourselves from all of these other Japanese automakers, because if we don't, we're just going to be nothing special about us. So the development of the rotary engine was really, um, and as Mazda says on their website, really more of a survival tactic to say, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to partner up with this company, which was a German company called NSU. We're going to get the Wankel technology, the rotary engine technology, and Mm -hmm. we're going to develop it. So they developed it all the way up until the release of the Cosmo, which I actually have here in uh, 
Hot Wheels form. <laughs> the Mazda oh, I've seen that in uh, Gran Turismo. <laughs> yeah, Cosmo is really awesome. So this yeah. is the first um, Mazda two-rotor vehicle, the first really rotary sports car that Mazda created, um, and of course being the precursor to the RX-7. So that's the history of the rotary engine. Mazda really created it to differentiate themselves, went through a lot of trial and error. Um, rotary engines can be quite finicky, and owners think they're finicky now, or people on the outside think they're finicky now, but just think about how finicky they were for Mazda when they were trying to get them working. You know, a lot of failures. Um, but I'm mean, so inspired. We talked about boss battle earlier, but Mazda, I find so inspiring because they kept pushing through these challenges, the atomic bomb, pushing through the development of the rotary engine because they were almost sort of relegated to being a very small, if not a small manufacturer or a, not a manufacturer at all. They may have been forced to merge with someone otherwise. Um, and the RX-7 itself, was actually developed during the oil crisis. And my last bit of Mazda history for you. Um, when the oil crisis happened in 1973, mm -hmm. Mazda developed the RX-7 because the rotary lineup, they had a lot of rotary cars at the time, was not as fuel efficient as um, what well, it needed to be. They used a lot of gas. So then Mazda was like, geez, we're going to have to figure out something. What are we going to do with this rotary engine? We can't put it in everything anymore. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, they developed a 323, um, which is a very popular sort of, uh, I think also called the Familia, popular, like sort of like family car, compact economy family car, and the Mazda RX-7. And that's how the rotary legacy lived on. And um, Mazda has very stubbornly continued, of course, that legacy throughout the years. And while there's been a bit of a break, um, I think that we may see a return of some sort of the rotary because it really is the soul of Mazda. So, I heard, I heard, yeah. I heard about that. Uh, Possible. But uh and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably know more. I heard it might be an SUV to start out with. So yeah, the MX-30, there is a, um, there is, so yes. So that was going to be a range extender in their electric vehicle, the MX-30. It seems like that project, the range extender, at least not the MX-30 itself has been put on hold for a little bit, but okay. yes, it seems like the first place that we see a return of the rotary may very well likely be the MX-30, mm -hmm. but um, we are seeing a um, potential based off of patents. We're seeing a potential for there being a new rotary sports car, but do the emissions um, rules, of course, we may see it be a hybrid type of car because a rotary sports car alone in this day and age may be tough to uh, fit within all of the emission standards of today. It's different from the early nineties. <laughs> oh, hands down. Um, that, that was actually something that, um, I'm not going to lie, it comes to mind when I think rotary because you, when you mentioned that it was burning a lot of gas, I don't know, is it something that like happens a lot of times with the, with the rotary engine? Because I remember being behind uh, and it was, it was, um, it was a, I guess you could say a track RX-7, so I don't know if it's fair, but I remember just smelling more gas fumes than like, it, it, it almost smelled like it didn't have a catalytic converter, but it, they, they probably run, didn't, right? <laughs> It probably didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Rotaries. Um, so another thing with rotaries is that every gas tank, I also put in two stroke oil. Um, so the rotary itself does have a unique sort of smell to it. But of course, when you add that two stroke oil, it really gives the exhaust a very distinctive smell, um, which some people who've ridden behind me said, oh, it kind of reminded me of like, almost like a lawnmower maybe sort of yes, type of smell. yes that yes yeah that is exactly what at first when i first heard the rx7 in person mm -hmm. aside from initial d <laughs> right but right. i i thought of yeah yeah so they so, do have a unique smell and they do burn gas like 
no one like no one's business especially if you're getting on it they're not horrible like my car will probably get i don't know maybe mid-20s if i'm driving like super super casually for a long stretch um but generally you're that's not typical mileage if you're driving it in a spirited manner at all like you'll get 10 miles per gallon or worse than that so maybe like 15 or less is typical in my opinion and another curiosity question before i get on my note questions mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm actually not familiar with how it actually works because i know how just you know general internal combustion engines with the pistons and everything work how, do, how does it work with an rx7 how does the that rotor that triangle shaped uh miracle <laughs> yeah uh, it's so it's it's very interesting, and I'm not going to profess to be an expert in every mechanism, but when you look at the chamber, there's the housing, and then inside is the rotor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have the, and, and it, all, it goes through all of the cycles of combustion in a few, in the, like in a ro- basically a rotation versus mm-hmm. when you have a piston type of engine. Yes, when you have it, yeah, when you have like, you know, you have the, the crank, you have the pistons, you have the connecting rods, you have all of that in the combustion chamber. So mm-hmm. here you have basically all of that happening in a rotation. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really cool. And I wish I had like a, a graph, if I, I would have like shared my screen to show a graphic, but it's, it's very interesting. So for viewers to see how it works and rotates, you'll see, if you look at an image, you'll see like the combustion, you'll see the exhaust, you'll see the intake and you'll see all that intake, compression, the combustion all happening in that rotation. So the great thing about it is that you have very little moving parts. I mean, you have this rotor, obviously two rotors actually in the case of the 13B REW that are rotating. Mm -hmm. And then you have the eccentric eccentric shaft that they're rotating on. So like almost like, um, forgive me, people say it's not a crank, but it's like almost like the uh, the rod that the rotors are spinning on. Okay. so it's, it's very, very cool when you look at that versus a typical piston engine, which has so many more rotating parts. Yeah. Um, but that is why the rotary is only 1.3 liters. Because if you look at it, it's like pretty small. Like a rotary engine is like not big Yeah, I heard, I heard you could put it like on a desk, right? Yeah, you can yeah. literally put, you can literally put a rotary engine, just sit it right on the desk. It's super cool. Um, but it's 1.3 liters, but since everything sort of happens in that, those rotations, you don't need all the moving parts. So while it's 1.3 liters, it, um, actually gives the output comparable to like 2.6 or so liters. So it's maybe more comparable in terms of output to a 2.6 liter V6 than like a 1.3 liter that you may see in the economy car of a typical, like an inline, like a three or four cylinder motor. And I know, um, there's a gentleman's agreement with in Japan in terms of uh, horsepower cap back in the 90s. But for the US, what is the power output and torque output for the RX-7 FD? The base output was for its entire run in the US, because it was only a couple of years, was 255 horsepower. Um, And I don't remember the torque number off the top of my head, Uh, maybe 217. It was low, it was low though, pretty low. Um, But yeah, 255 horsepower. In Japan, they topped out at about 276, 280 horsepower, which 276 was technically the gentleman's agreement number uh, of back of the day. Um, so yeah, the, the peak output for the car that we got in the US, because we only got it for in, I think 
Canada as well. I don't know how long they were available. It was about the same time. Was it? And I I believe um, the reason being is, and you can also correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't do as well in sales as here as they did in Japan. Yes. So the RX-7, so multiple reasons. So um, the RX-7 did not do as well in sales in the U.S., um, obviously, you know, there's certain rules, emission rules in the U.S. Things were changing. I mean, the cars were expensive. They were the equivalent of um, about maybe sixty-three to $65,000 today. Yeah, um, which, which was not easy for people to afford back in the 90s. No, not at all. No, they were very expensive. Yeah, so they were in the thirty-five or so thousand dollar range back then, which is the equivalent of $60,000 today. Mm-hmm. They just didn't do very well in the U.S., um, and also this is maybe more anecdotal, so I can't really, since, you know, we weren't old enough back then to see how things were going, but <laughs> we can only look at history. Yeah. Um, but I know my, my blue car had a lot of dealer visits back in the day. Like, you know, it had to go to the dealership a lot for a variety of different random warranty related things. So, um, oh, okay. I'd also imagine that the lack of familiarity, again, this is just my opinion, yeah. had a lot of people going there and it may have just cost Mazda a lot in warranty. Just like, all right, like not only are we not selling these cars, but we're spending a bunch of money keeping them on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are potential factors, but the costs um, I think was probably one of the biggest factors. I just don't, just like with the Supra, all of those cars of that era, I just, they just didn't sell as well. Yeah, as the, they, the, uh, the second editions. Yeah. The Mark fours. And cause I'll say this, and I don't know about for the FCs, uh, mm-hmm. which I also like to know what your, your uh, comparison of FC to FD uh, sure. is like, uh, but yeah, the FCs, I seen a lot more than I seen an FD. And with the, with the Supras, I used to see a lot of Mark threes mm-hmm. more than Mark fours or Mark twos as well. Mark two Celicas, right? Yeah, so the well, the Mark, yeah, there's a Mark III. Um, and the Mark II, no, I'm not a super expert. I don't know where the Celica Supra uh, changeover happened. I, I have a friend who has a Celica Supra, and I just don't remember what year it is. But yeah, those 80s cars, um, they seem to do quite well. I really like the FC a lot. If I could, I would love to have a red FC because I really, really like the uh, body style. I think it's just a bit of a stretch with the wife. I don't know if uh, I'm going to be It's an amazing car, man. I love, I love the FC at the bottom right there. FCs are, yeah, FCs, I think they're gorgeous cars. Um, the idea behind the FC is that it, so if you look at the history of the RX-7, you have the SA slash FB, so the first generation. Um, and then the FC, it got a little bigger. It became more of like a GT car, which is actually probably more comparable to the Supra than um, the FD were comparable to the Supra. And then when they developed the FD, um, as this book uh, indicates, they were trying to go back to the roots of a small, lightweight sports car. You know, they saved some decent weight in moving from the FC to the FD and proportionally it's smaller. So they were sort of going back to the the ethos of the original RX-7, but the FC is an amazing car in its own right for sure. Would you say, because um, I, I, I have a, a lot of friends with Mazdas, especially one who's, it's funny, he uh, <laughs> he works for another automotive company, and I won't mention it because he's uh, sure. a, a, a guest on this podcast, I'll tell you after, okay. but he, he's a hands-down Mazda fanatic. He has a Miata himself. Oh, and, uh, love the Miata. He, he always talks about Jim Baitai, Jim Baitai. Did they come up with that? Um, that statement or phrase during that time as well with the RX-7s? Yeah, and it's, it's that that's like translated roughly to like 
uh, was it like the feeling of driving a car, like uh, riding a horse or something? Yeah, the horse something. Yeah, I I don't know the direct translation, but um, I don't know where the genesis of that statement came from. It is a Mazda. It is tied with Mazda. But Mm -hmm. yes, it's like the feeling of. um... So one thing that I love about Mazdas Mm-hmm. In the Mazdas I've driven, mine. I've also driven the uh, the Miata. They do really have that feeling that you're truly at one with the car. Driver's like, car. Yeah, it feels like a true driver's car, which I really, really like about them. And that's one thing I like about Mazda too. They stay consistent to the ethos of what's made their sports cars great. Mm-hmm. And the RX-7 FD was just sort of them, sort of going back. Not, and they didn't they didn't look at the fc and say oh no this is not what we wanted to do it's exactly what they wanted to do and they did it for a long time and it was very successful they were mm-hmm. just saying all right so we really like the fc but now what are we going to do as the um sort of if we're going to make this not just a great sports car but really the ultimate sports car of the 90s which they said they called it the sports car of the 90s what are we going to do all of the manufacturers were really sort of flushed with cash because of the bubble economy of the era so essentially, like you have like the GTR obviously was a technology technological masterpiece because essentially these automakers said, all right, <laughs> we're flush with cash. They did not waste it. Like they didn't squander it. They actually really went into R&D and created these amazing cars. So the RX-7 is the example. FD is the example of them putting everything they could into a car and seeing how far they could go with it. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like, and I don't know if it, you feel the same way, but uh I feel like I should have looked out the window of my 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 dad and my mom's Pontiac Grand Am a lot more to look at the cars that were driving around back in the, the early nineties. Because uh, I, I I didn't I, I knew I loved cars. I loved mm-hmm. automotive because even as a kid I used to play with like monster trucks and then I moved on to um like playing with just little toy cars and the Hot Wheels and stuff. And I also uh I, I don't know if you ever watched uh, the Disney movie Love Bug, but that was like my- Kirby? Yeah, man. <laughs> I know Herbie. Herbie. I used to love Herbie. Oh, man, I, I watched that religiously. I watched that movie at least 50 times. And guess what? I even watched it just the other day on my day off again today, um, the other day. Just on I the love Disney that movie. Because I loved the racing aspect of it. Um, so I, I feel like we did get, get to grow up in an area to, um, that, that brought some amazing vehicles, hands down. And for the fact that uh, both you and I are able to actually still enjoy it in our in our age right now. I am for, I'm forever grateful. I'm forever absolutely. Grateful. Um, yeah, and I I'm I'm so happy for you that not you had not one but two because <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> eventually looking to do the same thing. Uh, but I'm more looking to go with a more um, I guess you could say span in terms of the GTR ownership. I'm probably going to go with like obviously my 32, and then hopefully mm-hmm. if you know I get blessed in some way, able to own a 35 to you know compare compare the two and enjoy the the different feels that the gtrs offer and i'm yeah. i hope you can even get for yourself an fc as well just to add i to would this. love to yeah i would love to at some point under the um under the right circumstances i'd certainly love to um and it's funny you say the 35 so i think that's a very achievable goal because they've made a lot of 35s they're still making 35s and i think in time there will be a lot of good ones available at a decent price. I don't see them going on a crazy like hike in price in the short term uh, because they made them for so long. Obviously, I think they are. You know, I think they're destined to be future classics of some sort. Yeah, um, but everything is right. 
everything is right but it's not quite destined to let's just say that it's easier to get a 35 in the next five to 10 years than the 34 i guess i'll put it that way yeah no hands down <laughs> hands down you're right completely right well i think i'm gonna go with our our initial question so cool. uh, i'm gonna start here why did you choose the rx7 as your dream slash halo car for yourself so um excuse the wire this is awkward get out it's of there no i, I got a no, wire we're, we're, my we're AirPods, wire brothers. <laughs> my airpods for some yeah i know we're wire brothers my airpods will not connect to my computer i was like why aren't why are you failing me now um but <laughs> you were so that apple comment from earlier was well justified <laughs> yes you know i was a little bitter like sorry apple your products you know i'm just not feeling them right now because you know <laughs> no but um so my car rx7 experience really goes all the way back to surprise the fast and the furious so mm -hmm. um here's how though because it's not quite the same when i watched that movie i didn't know what an rx7 was like i didn't know oh that's a mazda rx7 i just thought it was like a cool red car okay yeah that's a cool car i just like the cool cars the neon you know just mm -hmm. like a 12 or 13 i don't remember how old we were when they came up but we're early teens yeah around that age yeah you're mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah so and i remember 2001 around yeah that. that ballpark so i remember just being like oh this is sweet like they're making cars look so cool um and i did not know though what an rx7 was i just didn't um as a matter of fact i don't know if when i watched the movie i had a particular affinity for the rx7 while watching it because it's only really like the first part of the movie too. Um, it's not yeah, like- you know, It parks it after that, right? <laughs> yeah, after that. Like I, I saw it recently. I was like, that's actually kind of lame. Why didn't they like, you know, why didn't the RX-7 <laughs> get the same? The Super was all up in it. It had like the more than you can afford pal moment and everything. I was like, hey. Um, but so what happened is actually, I have a prop here. Um, when I was about 14 or so years old, um, there are these new toys come, that came out called uh, Zip Zaps. They're like these little remote control cars. Okay. And um, so my local Radio Shack, I'm sure you remember Radio Shack. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, my, the source, uh, what the source is today. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, um, so Radio Shack um, was right around the corner from my house. So I wanted to get one of these Zip Zaps. I was like, oh, I want a little, it was just a toy at the time. I wasn't like thinking of it being cars. Um, but I'll, I, I bought this actual set and ironically it's actually from Canada this particular one wow. has French here um but this isn't the one I actually had um but I bought it recently on eBay just as a nostalgia thing and it was the only one I could find had like also French on it and it came from Canada I was like <laughs> whatever um so uh, this is the exact set though that I got when I was about 14 years old so in the set is the Eclipse and the RX7 from the Fast and the Furious so um, that's when I found out what an RX-7 was when I actually bought the set because, you know, it says RX-7, it has a picture of the car and I was like, oh, that's the car. Yeah, yeah, cool, that's whatever. Cool. So I buy this set, I play around with the cars, it was customizable, you know, you'll see there's like gears and like motors. So oh, yeah, really? That's, that's, it was that, cool. That, makes, making, making kids engineers from a, a young age. <laughs> yes, it was cool. It made me think about modifying cars quite at a quite young age. Um, let's be honest though, the modifications didn't really change the characteristics <laughs> that much, but um it made it's, me feel like about I was the, doing it's the thought that counts, right? It's oh yeah. Thought. It's like I'm like, I'm like, I'm like anime character, like I'm gonna have to swap the motor now. <laughs> like, and you just like, yeah. It's like you're gonna swap it in two seconds. Of, <laughs> no, but <laughs> but ultimately, like I would just like, you know 
just puts the different motors in. But what happened was eventually I was like, man, like, so wait, this is like an actual car. So I just would Google it and well, whatever I was doing at the time. Yeah, I guess it was Google. You Google, know, dating ourselves. It would have been more like Yahoo. I know I'm dating our, I'm dating yeah, us now because I'm like, was Yahoo, I Googling? Yahoo I don't think I was Bing Googling. Back in yeah, the day. maybe Yahoo, maybe. But yeah. I was doing whatever people did back then. Because like, <laughs> you ask Jeeves, there are all sorts of websites. Oh, I forgot time. about that one. Yeah, random. Random. Um, so, and I looked it up and I found the um, RX-7 Club forum where okay. people had RX-7s and they modified them and they shared pictures. So I actually joined the forum like before I could drive. Had of course, an account. that's the way to do it. It's to inspire you. Yep. So I had an account on RX-7 Club since the early 2000s. And, um, you know, for that time, I had really, really just wanted to own an RX-7 since I was like 15 or 16, maybe at the oldest. Um, so I remember asking my, uh, my parents like, Hey, can you guys like, you know, get me an RX-7? They're like, you're crazy. Like, no. And in hindsight, I'm glad that obviously that never occurred. Cause I probably would have full disclosure. I probably would have wrecked it. Honestly, if I had the car like that when I was a young man, it wouldn't have been a good idea. Um, but at a young age, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would have, I would have probably wrecked it. Um, but the time years went on um, and um, you know, I had a series of American cars and I did actually at one point have an RX-8, um, but ultimately I decided I will one day get an RX-7, you know, go through college and, you know, I meet my wife and I remember telling her my favorite car is the RX-7. One day I'm going to get an RX-7. And I told her, I was like, eventually I'm going to, I'm going to get one of these cars. So fast forward to, um, 2020 actually so only a year a year and a half or so ago okay. um was when i actually got my red car i purchased it sight unseen only based off of pictures and videos from uh, from <laughs> tennessee yeah so um it, it was owned by someone who was really really now who, who had been rebuilt the cars for many years so i purchased the sight unseen and it hasn't given me any problems ever since so it was a it was a good buy that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Did you get the, the, the other one more recently? I did. Yeah. So um, I got the blue one actually because a friend reached out to me in March okay. of 2021 and said, hey, um, I know you like RX-7s. You have an RX-7. I have a friend with an RX-7 and he's looking to sell it. So he asked me, he says, would you be willing? He wants to know if you'll help him sell the car. So I'm like, well, help him. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the funny thing is I did not plan on buying the car actually. Um, of, of, of course, you know, I wasn't thinking about buying another RX-7. I never thought that, Oh, I want to have two RX-7. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. So, um, but this gentleman, you know, I reached out to him. I spoke with him. I gave him all sorts of information of what the car was worth and, you know, my knowledge of it. I sent him all sorts of links and et cetera. And then at the very bottom of the email, I said, by the way, you know, if you're willing to sell this car to me, I'd be willing to buy it. I won't give you any hassle. I won't want to even inspect it. I'll just purchase it. And I gave him a, I put a number in there, which was less than the market rate. The car did need a little bit of work. It needs a little bit of body work. And the motor is, um, I suspected, since the motor had never been rebuilt, it's going to need a rebuild some point in the not too distant future. So I put in the numbers, subtracting what I thought those things would potentially cost. And um, he eventually said, hey, yeah, I'll sell it to you for that price. I don't care. So I was like, oh, okay. So, um, and I give credit to my wife because she actually told me that, um, you know what, if you, if you can get this car for a good price, obviously less than what you paid for the red car, 
she said it probably is a good idea for you to get it because you know you like these cars they're not making any more of them you know maybe it can be like a fun project so i give her credit because i didn't even think to ask her because i figured she'd say no but she's the one who sort of prompted me to do it so i'm very honestly that's that. that's awesome it's awesome that you have a, uh, a, a support as well from your wife in regards to Absolutely. that my my uh my partner is one of my girlfriends. She she's very supportive when it comes to my uh, GTR as well. She she was hands down saying you need to get your dream car. I don't want you yes you you know ever have any regrets. I want you to enjoy it, and also I want you to be enjoying these things when we have kids. As I'm sure you do with your 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 children as well. Yep, with my two boys, they um they talk so much about the RX-7, which makes me think, all right, maybe I talk about it too much because they're talking <laughs> about it all the time. Um, but yeah, they're like, say like, hey, like, daddy, I want to make a review of the car. Like, so they'll have like the little camera and they'll like be making these fake reviews. And really, it's really, it's really cute. Content yeah, creators really at cars. a young age. Oh my God. They, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're, they're, they have such a head start kids these days. So like, if they want to, the only thing is that, Personally, my wife and I aren't comfortable with them being on the internet. So you may notice people who follow me may notice that I talk about my kids a lot. I don't show their faces just because it's just per a person. Like we just don't want their faces all over the internet. So. Yeah. So. Um, but, um, but yes, I can see them sort of the, their characters. So they may indeed take that route. And if that's what they want to do, you know, I, I wholeheartedly support them because um, I think it's great to sort of have a hobby and to do these things. Oh, okay. No, respectively so. It's okay. Um, just sorry. One second. The the girlfriend's here. One second. Just one of second. course, of course. Okay. Sorry about that, everyone. We just had some technical difficulties uh, at the background, but um, I just like we'll uh, kind of power through some of the questions here. Uh, so uh, my next question here was, um, what intrigued you? Actually, sorry. What is the current setup that you're? Um, your RX-7 has like is there any any bolt-ons or is it stock or what what is it currently pretty much stock um so I have uh the motor was rebuilt within by the previous owner actually within the past 10,000 miles um I'm trying to think of anything worth note I mean other than the titanium catback nothing really um so and it's given me no problems I am a proponent of modifying cars don't get me wrong but I personally like to get a real good feel for the car before I do a bunch of modifications to it. I'd love to take it to the track at some point, but there's just some things, since it is an older car, there are some things that I'd like to do just as an additional precaution. The suspension was refreshed, but has all of it been re refreshed? Are there little odds and ends I'd like to do? Because the stress that you put on the car on the track is very different uh, from the street. Oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, you're muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just wanted That's to make okay. sure that you were uh, you were completely listened to. Um, yeah, I, I completely understand. Um, like even with the bushings of, for my R32, um, those were uh, needed to be done. So you know, I, I can I completely understand how how uh, you want to make sure it's it's working properly. So that that that's perfectly fine. Um, I hope you are able to get to the track, and I hope I, you take some videos with like a GoPro oh, you know. so we can we oh, can yeah. see it as well. I definitely will. You know, for better or worse, you know. It will be recorded, so <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, now, uh, I think I got uh, actually three questions. Um, first is, uh, what is your opinion of the current uh, 
our car enthusiast community? How do you, how, what do you, what do you think about it? What do you, do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? Do you think there's proponents that could be changed or do you think it's involving? What, what's your thoughts? The current community. So in short, I think it's good. I mean, I, I'll, I, every, I feel as though we've probably been through a few different iterations of the car community. We remember it was like before social media, um, the advent of social media. Now the car community today is very different than how it was before. We have the same basic passion, but a lot of young people are growing up on Instagram and things like that and just experiencing cars in a different way than we did. Um, um, so, so there are elements that I do have an issue with. Um, so and maybe because I'm getting older, <laughs> but um, I, what bothers me most about the car community, which I love dearly, and the reason that I have an issue with it is because I do love the car community, um, two different things. So in America and maybe in Canada to an extent, but I can't speak for Canadians, maybe you can chime in here, but um, we have this new sort of trend uh, called takeovers where there are sort of these you know, people doing donuts and you know, doing all sorts of crazy things either in the street or their parking lots. Now, I would be remiss if I lied and said that when I was a young guy, I didn't do crazy stuff with cars because I did. I mean, when you're young, you do dumb things, period. So I'm not going to sit impetuous. here. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know what? These people, young people doing crazy things with cars. I'm not going to pass judgment in that way. The issue that I have with the takeovers beyond the fact that they're not legal, you know, let's put that aside. That's obvious. But the, the fact that there's pe there are people who are seriously getting hurt at them. Yep. Um, who are, I've seen know, the videos. Getting, yeah, they're getting run over. They're getting hit. There's been at least a time or two. I don't want to exaggerate, but at least one time where a person has passed away due to the activities at these events. So um, it's easy for me to say, though, to identify a problem and not present a solution. I'm not going to act like I have the overnight solution to how to sort of deal with this. But I, I, I definitely um, am concerned, very concerned and saddened by, you know, the, the people who are getting injured and not just the people who are getting injured or losing their lives, but also the young people who, of course, as a result of partaking in these events, you know, their lives are being ruined because they get criminal records. And so, um, so the takeovers on one hand, I do want to say that, you know, I, I see that as something that sort of concerns me on a, on a very deep human level. Um, and something else with the car community that is concerning me a bit that has not changed, this has been the factor since um, forever probably, is the, maybe the focus, we talked about this a little uh, yesterday on the live, is the focus maybe on hype a bit. So um, hype, as I said, is necessary for the automotive industry. It is a marketing tactic. You need to have hype in order to sell cars, to drum up excitement. Automakers, aftermarket companies, hype is a necessary thing, and it's not bad, you know, in the context of business. I'm in, I'm in sales and marketing. I, I support the general idea. Um, what I am concerned by is just the way that hype can maybe be used to influence younger people. Um, so, for example, uh, Captain Bradford the other day was saying like how, hey, it's okay to have a certain model of car. Like, it's okay if you don't have a Civic Type R. If you have a if you have a lower trim of the car, it, it doesn't make you any more of a car enthusiast. Um, so I find that sometimes I, I talk to folks who, and, and maybe Facebook groups and other conversations I have offline, say, talk down on certain types of people. They call uh, people who have certain cars and say, oh, that's, I went to this meet and there's nothing but regular traffic there. Like I saw like WRXs, I saw GTIs, and apparently they're called traffic because they're not quote unquote special enough. 
And um, I, I find that really concerning because, first of all, I think those cars are awesome. And I think we also need to realize that um, if you're driving your parents' car to a meet, or if this is your first car and maybe cost $500, that doesn't make you any less of a car enthusiast. Um, I, don't, I don't think we should define ourselves based off of the cars that we drive, because at the end of the day, and just a little bit of personal story for me, you know, I've had different experiences in life. So, you know, I've had jobs where I was making decent money. I've lost my job. And then I've had to sort of think about, oh, well, what are we going to do? Like, how am I going to pay my bills sort of situation? And at that point, I had to buy a very, very cheap car to make sure I could pay my bills. I had to sell things and I had to get a super cheap car in order to ensure I could um, just keep the lights on, basically. Um, so I was no less of a car enthusiast then. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just a, a regular guy who loved cars. So um, I, I completely agree. And yeah. I, I just to interject, sorry. I, course, I, I, completely I was going on and on. <laughs> empathize with you with, with that. You don't have to be a car, have to own the car to be particularly a car enthusiast. A car enthusiast is somebody literally who's enthusiastically immersed in car and automotive culture and the Absolutely. industry. You don't have to own it. You may want to own it because you want to you want to sure. you know expand that experience mm -hmm. to give you that give more of a, a direct um, explanation of how things actually feel. But you don't have to be you don't have to own the the most superest of cars, the most exotic of cars to be a car enthusiast. You can be a car as you said. You you uh, what did you purchase? Um, you you sorry you you joined the RX Seven Club before yeah. you actually. I was a kid who didn't <laughs> actually have a license. Had an RX7. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And it's, it's, I completely agree with you on that, man. Like that, that's hands down uh, true. And I do also agree with you. I think it's, um, it's always been this way. It's just, we're entering a new evolution of it. Unfortunately, that yes. the, uh, the car, car community is a double-edged sword. There's positive things, camaraderie, unity, um, exchange of information, um, just a general, uh, passion that is shared between um, amongst a group of people but um, of course it's a double-edged sword when we have uh, what do you call the I like to call sorry the anarchists that um, do it for what's defined now as clout internet points yeah, uh, hype, yeah. Uh, that we, we used to indicate that back in our days so I, I I'm not a fan of it at all and yes it ha it's happened here in the in in actually um, the downtown Toronto it's uh, it's not, and also even in, we even had a, a a meet called I think it was, and you have it in the states too. I think it's H two O I or something like that. Oh yeah, we and, do have. Yep. And those guys, I I just don't understand their thought processes. They literally actually want to go and cause trouble. That is literally what I believe was a proponent of that. And I am not afraid to say that here on this on this mm -hmm. podcast because if you're literally causing issues, it makes it worse for the for others. It makes it worse for us, the ones that like to enjoy cars at a more, I, I'll say personally healthier level. So yeah. if you want to do things that in, in terms of you know enjoying the car to the fullest, go to the track, enjoy it at the track. It may cost right. you money, but the you know, is there really a price that you won't pay to enjoy yourself because you live you only live once, right? Right. So I I completely agree with you on that. Um, next, I wanted to ask. Um, I, actually, you actually wrapped up the well, the second question. So my 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 actual last question is, and I. I'm so happy that I actually am able to speak to you in regards to this, uh, a rotary enthusiast. What do you think of the RX-8? Do you think it, it's a car that people should look into buying right now? Because I personally, from 
people that I've spoken to, and I, and I don't really believe they've actually been uh, rotary owners. I think it's just they they always go based on the hearsay of, oh, if you own RX seven, you're going to be rebuilding your motor every other month or something like that. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> or don't get the RX eight. It's uh, quote unquote crap. You know, it's, it yeah. doesn't do anything. What, what do you think about that car? Because as you know, the, the car community, the, the, the prices of all our JDM cars now of, of our time, our youth have now exaggeratedly gone high in price. Like it doesn't even, actually, I don't even say that. That's not even a word that, that really describes it. Astronomically, it's stratosphere. Like it's gone to the moon. Um, yeah. Some people won't even be able to afford the cars that we enjoy right now. I, if yeah. I didn't buy my car right now, uh, when I bought it, I don't think I'd be able to really get it. Um, it would be a lot more difficult. Um, yeah. So like when you have cars like the, in my case, in the, in the, in the Nissan lineage, the 350Z, which is still uh, generally not bad priced, it's going mm-hmm. up, but it's still decently priced that you can afford it. And in your, in, in your lineage, the RX-8, which not many rotary um, enthusiasts wanted to get as much, they preferred the RX-7. But it's still not. It's still reasonably priced. You can still find them yes. out here. What What do you think about that car? So, and then we talked about it before. I'm going to move Black Panther because I know he's going to fall when I pick this RX8 up. So let me just Wakanda prevent Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> yes. Um. So this. I mean, I love the RX8. And for those who may be just listening, I'm just holding up an auto art model. So I had a titanium gray RX8 that looked just like this back you know, a long time ago. And um, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal car. Handled absurdly well, was very comfortable. And yes, was it a fast car, quote unquote? No, it wasn't a fast car. Was not Mazda's intention though. Um, And um, I think it's an amazing car that everyone should, um, if they can, everyone should try. Uh, The only downside is that because these cars are getting older, um, they, they just have, the motors may be tired. So you may be able to buy one for a good price. Be prepared to rebuild the motor if it has not been rebuilt already. Um, but I think they're amazing cars. They handle incredibly well, and they're slept on. They're slept on big time. And honestly, I think the styling, um, personally, when I had mine, they um, I love the styling. I still think they have a really cool, unique look. So I, I actually okay. So the the, the first gen, I, I it's it looks fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I compare it to like which it it would be um period uh, more period correct in terms of the phrase azenki uh, of of the of the rx8s right but the koki uh version the the more facelifted version i love when things look a little bit more aggressive it just gives it a, a different feel a different vibe yep. when you're driving it you're you're also thinking how does the front look while i'm driving this thing like <laughs> yeah it matters it, 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 it does like it, it, it i think it it, it it immensely looked a lot better I, i'll say this comparatively I still prefer the look of your RX-7 than any Bale-side kitted one. It just, I, I, I can appreciate the look. Uh, I, and just like you said, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I can appreciate yeah. the look, just not my cup of tea. Just like, I don't like people who take RX-7s and drop LS motors in there. It's just like, no. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, so, um, so the styling of the RX-7 is, in my opinion, and it seems to be an opinion of, of many other folks as well, I love the styling of the RX-7. I think it is one of the most beautiful cars designed, in my opinion. Um, and, um, and I do prefer the styling of the RX-7 to the RX-8, but 
that's not a knock on the RX-8. I prefer the styling of the RX-7 to most other cars. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the RX-8 is a very unique, cool car and you can comfortably fit four adults in it as well. So um, I think folks should take a really hard look at the RX-8. I think they're still affordable. They will not probably be forever. You know how these things go. So it's probably- yeah, We're not, not trying to advocate to the one. price to skyrocket guys. We're just giving yeah. you another option. To, yeah. to seek out if you're looking to enjoy the world of you know sports car enthusiasm yeah and we don't have captain bradford on here so we're probably good i don't think we have that big of a <laughs> if, he were, if he were on here saying like up oh, time to get the uh everyone get the rx8 then it will be the live issue where it's like stop saying this you're going to <laughs> I, I, you know it's funny that you say that because i think uh albo did 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 that uh justice as well when he um interviewed uh, one of his uh the car enthusiasts he met at daikoku futo who actually she she drives and drifts an rx8 so uh, uh, I think I, I think I that that kind that of started one. started the climb a little bit, but I think we're still as as I said before. I think we're still in the safe zone where like you can purchase an RX-8, and I I honestly I see an RX-8 whenever I'm working because um, I drive past it all the time, and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, maybe they should just you know just find out who owns that and just grab it because it sit it just sits there every day. It does it doesn't move. Even it's worth looking into. It might be worth looking into. I hope yeah, if it has no rust. I'm, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Well, rust is another. Well, yeah. you don't want more rust in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had enough of that. I, <laughs> when I was uh, working under my uh, my S13 and S14, especially the rockers were completely gone on that. I'd, that's the only thing I wouldn't want to remember about uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the the enjoyments, quote unquote, of being a. Uh, uh, an automotive enthusiast but nonetheless but uh, I know we got a hard stop at three Jeff so I just wanted to thank you so much for actually coming on to the podcast course, um, man. you've actually increased my small treasure trust of, of knowledge of RX-7s to I'd say we got like a little bit more of a hobby box now <laughs> so nice. I, I, I have a better understanding of it um, I actually hope to come to the states um, bring my girlfriend uh, and maybe the, the newborn baby to uh, uh, New York City and then take, make a stop over near you. Um, well, let me know when you're planning on doing that, because New York is not far from me at all. So, yeah. I mean, I'd be even happy, depending on the circumstances because of COVID and everything, mm-hmm. but I'd be more than happy to travel up to New York to meet you there, because that's right. it's a cool city. I'd love, I'd love to stop up there. So just keep me in the loop. That'd be fun. Will do, will do. And I, I think we, we need to do this again. Um, Please, at some point. that'd be and great. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll even uh, be able to get a panel going. We'll get a, a few um, enthusiasts on, who, who knows, uh, Albo or... Captain Bradford, C1. I, 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 you know what's funny? Since owning this car, I don't know if it's for, um, happening for you as well, but since owning my car, it feels like the doors have opened to like the community even more that, so than when I have my 240. Yeah. Look, so. and don't worry about the hard stop. I'll just send a quick text real quick, um, but and then we can hop off. But rest assured that for folks, this is what I love about these cars, right? And I'm, excuse me for texting. I'm just letting this individual know. So that's the thing I love about the community and about owning the cars. So it's not about hype or attention or any of that. It's about the community. So the people that you're able to connect with, because I created an Instagram for the car randomly. I wasn't even sure. I was like, what? I was like, why? This is so weird. Is this like (laughs) an ego thing? Like, seriously, it's like, why am I doing this sort of thing? So I don't know. I prayed about it. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. 
I think it'd be cool. Why not? Who knows what happens? And it ends up being one of, as far outside of my family, obviously, one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. I mean, I've made so many great friends, you know, from Captain Bradford, you know, to, to looks like yourself, because I really enjoy talking to you um, and same, same. so many other people in, you know, friends who you know, I talk to regularly. Um, so I think when you look at the car community in that context, and the car you want, it's not like, I want this car because I want people to see me driving or and I want the extra, if it's more like, I want to get this car and I have this passion about it. The rest, the friends, the community and all of that will follow because people know real recognizes real, right? So it's like, you know, when someone's like a true enthusiast. So I get that sense from you and so many people that I've connected with over the past year or so, uh, I've, I've made that connection. So I'm super, super grateful to have met you. Um, and I'm looking forward to having more conversations on podcasts and potentially off as well. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I, I'm, I'm so, I, I can't, even describe in words how how much I believe that we're gonna this friendship will, will continue to grow and the things that we're gonna be able to see uh, maybe even in Japan together at some point maybe maybe <laughs> will yeah. will be will be limitless I I'm I'm hoping that and praying for that as well where where can um the listeners and the viewers actually um, see find you on social media what would be any of your handles sure so you can find me on bossbattle.rx7 on Instagram. And uh, you can find me on, what else am I on? Oh, YouTube. So my YouTube channel, it's a, it's a small channel, but feel free to see the couple videos I have on there under Boss Battle Jeff. And uh, my claim to fame is an exhaust video that people apparently really liked. So yeah. other than that, I don't really have much going on on there. But yeah, feel free yeah. to check me out on YouTube and Instagram. And I'd, that's, I'd love that's, to connect. That's, that's more than more, more than most people have, actually. And I just found, I just realized that you have a, a YouTube from you just telling me now. So you've just got another subscriber. Yes, <laughs> that makes 71. So I'll take yeah. it. Thank you. All right. Great, great. Well, thanks again, Jeff. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Uh, thank you all viewers and listeners uh, for tuning into this episode of Locked Automotive Media. Um, I stay tuned for the next episode and have a good day and peace out. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked Automotive Media. If you have any suggestions of car enthusiasts or influencers in the automotive community that you'd like for me to interview, please reach out to me via Instagram at Locked Automotive Media. That's L-O-C-D Automotive Media. And as always, it's a pleasure and a privilege to share my passion with you, my amazing audience. Until next time, sayonara.